Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club! Yeah! I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete! And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. Crowdcast, YouTube, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, the app of your choice. Those last couple aren't live. But they're still pretty cool. Anyway, that's They're fine. very cool. And the app of your choice is the best. Some people are watching mm-hmm. this on DoorDash. Some awesome. people are forced to watch it on some app, and they have no choices. It's very bad. I'll tell you what, though. If you are listening to this audio, you are going to miss a little bit on this particular podcast. Mm-hmm. We have a visual com- component that's coming up that we'll tease in a moment. Uh, but first, how are you guys doing? What's going well, on? Great. great. You know what I would like to talk about? I have mm-hmm. had a permagrin on my face and I've had a cor- horrible couple of days, but the only thing that has been keeping me going is yesterday we taped a show that I think is our best work of all time. <laughs> we had a famous wow. person on, and they reamed Zalvin in such a way that made me so happy. I have been smiling for days. I mean, this is talking about the ultimate tease. Is Pete happy Alex reamed famous person? This is truly <laughs> this is truly the biggest thing we could have ever said. Yeah, I mean, I guess as a little more of a tease, we can say you can check out this podcast on the Marvel Vision feed on Friday morning. Even though Loki is finished up, so we are continuing... We are continuing talking about Marvel stuff, so I guess you'll still have to see what happened. And you know what? Maybe I had a permagrin because I like getting grieved. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Ah, interesting twist. Everybody uh, wins. I don't know. Maybe we I, all had a great time. It's all possible. It's, it's my last week in the woods. I truly was running through. There's a rainstorm like 20 minutes ago. I was running through the woods to get to this very spot to do this. I had to do a rowboat to get to the podcast that Pete's talking about. <laughs> Shit's crazy out here. Um, I saw Porcupine yesterday. Wow. wow. Bring it on. Bring the porcupine onto the podcast. What does it think about uh, yeah. the uh, current direction of Marvel Comics? I want to know. No, it's porcupine from um, the Spider Woman uh, series oh, uh, from a year and a half ago. Uh, so you yeah, guys good really character. Enjoy. Yeah, great, great character. character. I'd love to uh, get his perspective on things. Great dad. I, I want to apologize, though. I went to uh, my liquor store and I was trying to yell through the very thick glass, I need vermouth, and the guy did not have it. And uh, I was asking about a dry gin, and he kept holding up different bottles of gin that they didn't look dry. So I'm mm. not as well prepared as I would like to be for this. Let me ask you real quick it didn't look dry to you? Like, how. <laughs> 
have I don't know what that means, but you I wanna, assume you want you want to look at gin. it and get like a nice sandy gin, like yeah. one that's like you really see the granules of the gin. That's a yeah. dry gin. Listen, we're getting a little ahead a of ourselves. You're getting ahead of your skis here, Pete. Because we have Classic. two guests for you all on the show and today, and, and I'm going to bring them, welcome them both into the stream right now. One of them is the writer of Gotham City Cocktails, official DC cocktail book, Andre Darlington. And the other one is the official CBC chef, Brett Macris, also Brett officially the chef de cuisine at Cushon in New Orleans. Right. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on. So excited to have you both here. So fun. Uh, now, just to give a little bit of context, uh, Brett, very good friend of the show, was our New Orleans correspondent originally for our Cloak and Dagger podcast, Cloak and Jabber, and has somehow stuck around through all of our nonsense, uh, offering amazing food <laughs> advice on our Patreon, among other things, among just being a generally cool guy. Uh, but he discovered your, uh, well, hold on, do you call it well, a book? Mr. Rad discovered your book. Oh, okay. Mr. Rad's the artist, discovered your book and then posted it on Twitter and on Instagram. And it was like, this book is great. And so I love theme books like this, especially in our realm of comics and all that stuff. Like I have the Deadpool book. I have all kinds of stupid Marvel books, cookbooks. <laughs> when I saw that one, I was like, I have, look, I mean, I have the bat, the tattoo. Yeah. No, no one's arguing with your love of Batman. Yeah. yeah. And so what Brett has been doing, he's been putting up a, a vote every week of, hey, which recipe should we do on the show? And so we've been doing that for about the past two months, doing recipes from the book. Just a real quick question. For something like this, Andre, is it a cookbook, a recipe book, a cocktail book? Is there like official terminology for what you call this? I think Lifestyle. It's sort of a, a fan compendium. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh that's right. good. All okay. Right. I mean, because I think more than anything, it, it became clear pretty quickly that, uh, you know, this is a fan book. It's for uh, Batman fans to experience um, scenes and characters and places in the DC universe. Um, and that was what we were going for. Yeah. So how did you get set up with this? How did you get... Did you pitch yeah. somebody? Did you get contracted? Were they like, <laughs> were you hey, just you out make... drinking were... one night? Yeah, were you in a Batman? bar? Yeah. Like, all you should things. do this. With, like all good things, it starts with an email that could have ended up in my spam folder <laughs> from DC Comics reaching out to ask oh, me wow. whether I wanted to write the Batman book. And then we had a phone conversation and I took about 15 seconds to think about it. <laughs> um, I, I have an agent uh, for my books, but, um, you know, I basically said yes. And I was like, let's figure it out. And then my agent was like, are you sure you want to say yes to Batman? And I was like. It's Batman. <laughs> Always yeah, say yes to Batman. And Don't say, say no to Batman. You know, I'm, a, I'm a comics fan, but I mean, Batman is um, up there for me. Um, so this was a really easy thing to say yes to. I think I was contacted because I was actually working on a comic book um, cocktail book uh, with a guy that was an illustrator in the DC universe. Oh, um, and I, I had put a couple things up online. Um, but it's kind of unclear how I ended up uh, with the phone call completely. Although then we batted back and forth some ideas. And this was pretty interesting. Um, you know, I basically wanted to, wanted to say yes to it. But I batted back, uh, you know, how much artistic control am I going to get? I'm a food and bev writer by training. Um, I've been around for a long time. I wanted to know how much, uh, you know, creative control I would get. And I said immediately that this cannot be a book that's inspired by because you can go and Google 
Batgirl or Batman or Robin or anything and cocktail after it. And you get all these, you know, you kind of get birthday parties and people's ideas of some stuff that would be inspired by. Um, I really wanted it to be as realistic as possible. I wanted it to be something that someone could pick up in Gotham City um, that as close as possible wow. to that. Oh, that's have cool. Some legal issues with um, I don't know if they're legal issues, but certainly there were many cooks in the kitchen on this. It's uh, it's put out by Insight, which you guys probably know, put out amazing um, sort of fan books. They do incredible. They've done some incredible Batman books. So I knew these folks and knew that they would do a really good job with a cocktail book. Um, but it was Insight, uh, Simon and & Schuster, and then DC Comics. And then above them even was somebody from Warner Brothers. Oh, wow. And so we had a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and I wanted to make sure that through, you know, as we made the sausage, as it were, um, things were going to come out still looking pretty good and having something interesting. And I really wanted to make sure that, you know, fans that have these attractions to certain characters or to the Batman universe in general, that they would get some new information or feel closer to the stories or feel closer to the characters and that it could be as real as possible. Now, Warner Brothers sort of stepped in and, and said, no, we don't really want to actually have, you know, you can't say that this drink is consumed by this character. And that's fine right. because... I got away with, uh, I think, quite a bit in in terms yeah. of uh, of, uh, of tying these cocktails to, to characters, and I got really lucky that way. In that, um, I sort of sent them a really ballsy sort of preview of what I wanted to do, and they said, "Okay, let's do it." Oh, that's and awesome! It kind of surprised me. Um, one of the things that is interesting about this book, and maybe I should have mentioned it in the intro more. I assumed it would have been maybe mentioned somewhere else, but I think they really wanted to leave it like this book that you could get there was that none of the mat source material I was allowed to use were from any of the movies. Hmm. So when I signed hmm. on, I thought, oh, God, I'll just go watch some Christopher Nolan's and, you know, Bob this uh, book out. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it turned out that I went back and reread hundreds of Batman comics. But, of course, when you're writing a love letter sort of like this is to a city and to the people in it and the characters um, that ended up being a really fantastic experience. I was actually um, surprised at how deep a dive you actually do into this book with some of the, like you, you did a, a cocktail based on Bane's home Island. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh, deep continuity. I yeah. when I drink, I drink deep into continuity. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I went pretty nuts. And I have to say this is sort of a cocktail writer's dream in that I was allowed to rely on real world cocktail things that we all sort of know and accept of that probably happened in the 19th century or 20th century drinking and take it into this fictional universe. And it was really a dream come true. I mean, some of these drinks just wrote themselves. I think some, one of the first ones I wrote uh, was the chartreuse cocktail for poison ivy. Um, yeah. You know, so I, was, I did some just like pairing, you know, what does poison ivy drink? Of course, it's going to be chartreuse, which is this very herbaceous green liqueur created by Carthusian monks. But it just speaks to like vines and, wow. and you know, botany. Um, so there was a lot of that that were really simple. Um, and then there was some direction from Warner Brothers and DC Comics. You know, what about this character? What about that character? Um, but not much. And uh, I always thought it you know it was pretty simple actually uh tying these characters to drinks once you you know i sort of loaded up batman uh cartoons in my hard drive and uh <laughs> and paired them out uh to these characters and they let me get away with some really fun stuff which is i wanted to have even a little more in depth into wayne manor and how wayne manor 
um, you know, might have done entertaining. Uh, and I had a little entertaining guide from, from Wayne Manor. And they let me put in a little bit of that. I got in Martha um, and Bruce's father's, um, you know, their wedding cocktails. There's some fun, Whoa. just weird uh, background that awesome. they let me do. Um, Mr. Sometimes Mrs. I went too far, so we had to edit some stuff out. Um, particularly yeah, with the pearl, the pearl necklace themed drinks. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Not as first you drop it. <laughs> oh, yeah. it breaks everywhere. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, Spoilers. Oxford City is a very gritty place, and cocktail <laughs> history can be really gritty as well. So they really paired, um, they paired nicely, and sometimes uh, they did pair back the grit a little bit. I think I said something about there's there's a breakfast cocktail, um, you know, and I was like, well, in Park Row, it's covered in blood in the morning, so it's not that far <laughs> hard. <laughs> Bloody Mary, kids. <laughs> yeah. So they made it a little more PG thirteen than that, but otherwise, the book really stands as a, a work, and it was it was very interesting working with DC Comics and the editor and the. Um, I think the photographer did an amazing job on the book as well. Uh, you know, it's making a book like this is a little bit like making a film in that I'm the writer and I hand in a script and I don't know what it's going to ultimately look like. There's a lot of fingers in the pot. Uh, so when this came back, I was as happy as, uh, as everyone else to see what a great job they'd done. Yeah. I love the point of view that this, uh, the cocktail book, it exists in Gotham City uh, because you know in the real Gotham City they're going to be have themed cocktails to whatever like crazy shit is going on in there on a, yeah, exactly. a nightly basis like beer and a shot specials whenever Batman's in the neighborhood exactly. stuff like that <laughs> so like that's so cool I, I appreciate that was there any challenge to the fact that at least at least as far as I'm aware in the comics Batman himself doesn't drink like sometimes you'll see Bruce Wayne with a drink in his hand but he's always faking being drunk so did you figure out any way around that, I guess? Yeah, it's the elephant in the room in a way. He doesn't specifically not drink, I don't think, until the 40s. The comic started in 1939. And um, there's some interesting stuff in the beginning. There's definitely bottles of scotches hanging around on desks in the early days, um, which, you know, that's sort of like noir film. We see that, too. Yeah. It, it starts out very noirish and in a noir era which was really great for me. You know, Prohibition ended in 1933. America started drinking again really heavily. Uh, basically, 1934, you know, you start getting, um, you know, some of the famous famous drinking movies uh, like The Thin Man or, and, you know, some of the noir mysteries. Um, and by 1939, we're still heavily in that era. So that was fun to play off of. Yes, Bruce Wayne, in theory, doesn't drink, although he does drink in the 80s. He's actually a recovering alcoholic. In some of the in some of the books from the '80s, didn't want to step go into that territory either. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff that I did to get around that was there's a cocktail in there. Um, I think it's called Suit Up, ultimately, which is sort of a espresso drink, and maybe Batman does take a slug of it before he hops in his car. <laughs> Not that I'm advocating drinking and driving. <laughs> 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 that mobile drives itself. He's a vigilante. <laughs> You can have a you can have a cocktail in the next book that's just called the Bruce and it's just uh, four ounces of Schweppes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no, no proof cocktail books are really popular right now. I'm going to come out with the, uh, the Batman 120 days of uh, alcohol free cocktails. <laughs> now this isn't uh, specifically a Batman question at all, but I'm just curious how when you're coming up with a recipe for this book, how do you develop a cocktail? Like, are you thinking about it? Are you looking at other cocktails that exist and tweaking them a little bit so they work for Gotham City? Or what's the approach? A little bit of both. I thought that this was um, 
probably going to be a lot of customers first cocktail book ever you know with the assumption mm. that we're getting batman fans they might know some cocktails but they might not own a cocktail book at all i really wanted to make sure that one of the things the book would accomplish is if you go through the cocktails in this book you've also sort of had at least 20 24 of the great cocktails um in the canon so that when you run into those you're like ah i made that in the batman book um, it's mm. also true that a lot of variations are just variations on a theme anyway. A lot of cocktails from back in that era have very similar name, but one has maraschino cherry and one has orange liqueur. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of variation on the themes already. Making it up, again, I really relied on some of the characters just spoke to me. Um, Bruce Wayne and his immediate cohort were whiskey to me. Um, Poison Ivy definitely was uh, chartreuse, but also absent, absinthe because of absence, you know, relationship to going crazy. Mm -hmm. And of course, then the Joker Weird. had to be absent. The Joker had to be Mezcal, which also has a reputation for making you go crazy. Um, so there, there was kind of, I kind of like sorted the characters a little Joker. bit in my mind in terms of liquor base. That sort of started me off. And then some really thematic stuff for like, um, the Park Row, I really wanted it to be kind of this roaring 20s back when Park Row, uh, you know, where Bruce Wayne's parents were killed, but had been like a major theater district when he was a child, kind of going back to the 1920s and how glamorous those drinks are. Um, so I kind of rooted around for a bunch of different, um, I came at it from a bunch of different angles, I guess I'll, I'll say. Um, sometimes, you know, I'd get a name um, and dig around for what it was. There was quite a bit of cocktail testing on this book. This was good for uh, in, you in theory, um, over 50 originals. Uh, so, you know, we were making, I have, you know, a couple people I make cocktails with, uh, especially one, uh, good friend of mine, who's a bartender, bar manager, long time career bar guy. And we were in my kitchen sort of like, so the Joker, what's he drinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so what's, what, which cocktail in the book would you order? On a on a right, what's your drink from this book? That's not fair. That's not a fair question. Yeah, at it's all. Not a, it's, Come on, this is not a fair question. I do I do tend to uh, make stirred drinks for myself after work more often than shaken ones, uh, just because I've got the stirrer there. I can put a couple cubes of ice in. Uh, so the one that we'll demo later is definitely up there. I think it's a variation of a drink that people will know. Um, but I love going back to the book and, uh, you know, this time of year in summertime, I've been drinking those, uh, Bane cocktails. He's got a couple drinks related, uh, to the Bane world in there, which are simply essentially margaritas or mojitos, uh, sorry, daiquiris or mojitos. You know, he's from an Island on the Caribbean. So that made it yeah. pretty easy to, uh, to do variations on Caribbean drinks that we know. I think yeah. that was the second drink we ever, mm, we ever yeah. did. The first one we did was taillights, right? Mm-hmm. And it, that seemed like uh, like a take on the Boulevard. Am I am I wrong? Yeah, correct. You're mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's a fantastic one. I love I love it when I was able to sneak in these little tricks with either the garnish or I think the taillights in that one is the two cherries trying to represent the taillights, which I feel yeah. like is really representative of how cocktails were created originally. Again, going back to uh, what you were saying about you know Gotham City is a rough and tumble town. Bartenders are out there every night saying you know what was in the news. Who's the new villain of the week? Let's make a drink for him. And I think that's still how bars operate. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that was interesting in reading the, uh, the, co the comic books and really going back and digging in the early years is, you know, people have done a lot of work and development over the years of Gotham City itself. Where is it? What does it look like? 
I think there's a really nice uh, book actually that gives you, you know, a, a few different map scenarios of what Gotham City would look like. I know Christopher Nolan made one uh, behind the scenes for his movies so that he knew where things were and how far things were away. One of the things that comes up, and these guys were really funny. The guys that wrote the first Batman books, you know, the the shining yeah. light was not on them. They put all kinds of hilarious stuff in there, no. including like weird. their parents' houses. So every once in a while, a, char- a character will just go to like Carol Gardens in Brooklyn and be like, hey, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, like, ah, hard to square that. Exactly. Uh, but <laughs> again and again, it comes up that Gotham City is a city south of New York on the ocean. Well, what is that? Philadelphia. And it's also a mobbed up town. So I actually pulled in a little bit of Philadelphia history and a little bit of Jersey. You know, it's kind of Jersey area Italian drinks, uh, which is why you see a little bit of a Negroni in there, an Americano. I had really fun um, fun time with um, Falcone, who's a character I love. I feel like he's kind of this mafioso South Philly guy that I've seen order drinks before. He's kind of an Americano. With a little balsamic, it's extra vinegar. It's actually still yeah. very delicious, but has a little vinegar in there. With two olives, just because, you know, the guy's intense. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so we, we, got... we, didn't, we did that one last week, right? That was uh... oh, yeah, a yeah. week or two weeks yeah. ago. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed uh, it. This is... That was great. We got a question here from Josh on Crowdcast. Andre, you sort of rightly deferred from answering this, but Brett, which is your favorite recipe from the book? From the book, uh, I really like the Roman from last week. I also like the Bane cocktail, the, what is it, the Pina, the, I think my favorite is Taillights. Mm. Oh, nice. Those are yeah, nice. fantastic ones. You're choosing great ones. I mean, I really just had such a good time with this. I really wanted people to enjoy the cocktails and make them approachable, which is a word I hate, right? But, yeah. um, you know, you do want to make it not too hard and not have too many crazy ingredients for people. I did re- rely on, you know, a few things like limoncello, which are a little unusual, but again, kind of goes to this sure. kind of ready-made, um, you know, a lot of the drinks in Gotham City, we assume that unless they're tied to fundraisers, these are not necessarily fancy drinks. These are thug drinks, right? These are criminal, <laughs> yeah. criminal also, drinks. You know, like, the good thing about drink. it is there's a pretty good balance in the book of like, pretty easy like you could make this with if you like cocktails you're going to have some of this stuff at home and then there's some little more advanced stuff that you can get into like i had a small tutorial on how to smoke a cocktail yep in the paper slack we we did the smoke pellet two weeks ago that was all that was amazing that was really awesome uh (laughs) yeah um that was fun so i i appreciated that that you did have some more advanced stuff there little shaking egg whites and that sort of thing with some of the cocktails it was great but yeah, it does seem, to Brett's point, certainly as we've been doing this over the course of two months, I've had to expand my liquor cabinet oh, just, a, just a little bit. But at, the same, but at the same time, it's fun, and it's fun to have the stuff around. Uh, like, we made the one with Adger Rays, which was the oh, one yeah. had Adger Rays, yeah. and made a bunch of margaritas with that also. So good. Yeah. So it's nice so to delicious, have that right? around. I never would have thought of having that. So it's great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, why a, lot don't... These, a lot of these liquors, you know, once you have them in-house, you end up, you know, sometimes they sit on the shelf for a couple of months, but you always end up going back and, you know, putting it on the, you know, many of them are just good on the rocks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but Ancho Race, uh, you know, a little top off of Ancho Race in so many cocktails is great. You can put it on an old fashioned, you can put it in a Manhattan, 
Um, you know, especially these days when, you know, we all like a little spice and instead of, you know, muddling jalapeno, you can just reach for a bottle and throw a little bit of that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to that end, why don't we get into our demo portion tonight as we teased, we're going to do something, the appropriately named the Gotham City uh, cocktail or just the Gotham City, no, no cocktail after it. I don't know. But yeah, uh, cocktails implied. Cocktails implied. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so, Andre, I'm going to turn it over to you to lead. I, Brett, I know you have everything set up there, too. As I mentioned, I have everything very awkwardly set up here. And <laughs> Justin, you have... Uh- I am at I have my some mom's woodland house. creatures bringing you things, right? Yes, I'm at my mom's house in, in way of State, New York. I have a porcupine who's going to be handling um, the the stirring. Um, I raided uh, I raided her liquor cabinet and pulled some approximations. So I'm going to be drinking <laughs> um, a slight uh, the country um, the, uh, version. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Andre, uh, take it away. Yeah, let's kick it off. So Gotham City is again an example where I'm trying to sort of state. One of the interesting things I wanted to do in the book was make Gotham City a city we kind of know, a universe we know a little bit. I basically created an entire cocktail backstory for the city, basically saying Gotham City was so dirty that Prohibition never really came there. Bars in the Narrows mm. never really closed. Nice, um, yes. So that's why you end up with some of these drinks that have a little more oomph than they otherwise might. Um Gotham City is essentially a variation on a Manhattan. Manhattan is a uh, itself actually a, a group of drinks. It just happens to be the most famous of them, named after the boroughs um, of New York. The Bronx is another one that's kind of famous, but actually all of the boroughs uh, have a, a cocktail. The Gotham City, um, often Manhattans base themselves on cherry. You'll see uh, maraschino cherry um, in there. Um, and Manhattans are typically these days based on rye whiskey. Uh, one of the interesting things is that for a long time, we didn't have a lot of good rye in the U.S. It's really come back in the last 10, 15 years. So rye would have been, uh, rye was basically the liquor of the East Coast and bourbon was uh, the liquor of the Midwest uh, to a large extent. Um, we had a lot of rye growing uh, east of the Appalachians and it was kind of America's first uh, whiskey had a lot of rye in it until we got into the Ohio Valley and started growing corn to the extent that we did. Maybe too much backstory for people, but Manhattan's an interesting drink. No, I love drink, it. Uh, for that, an interesting drink for that reason. And I based this on, I said, um, all right, we're thugs. We're Gotham City. We're a little bit more hardcore. Um, one of the things I know from uh, many communities that are either in Brooklyn, Bronx, uh, or Philadelphia, which is sort of another borough, is that people are making their own hooch. And often they're making limoncello, which is something that um, I think probably this whole eastern seaboard probably has somebody's limoncello in the basement or the refrigerator. <laughs> um, so I thought, let's use that as our sugar um, so we don't have to add simple syrup to cocktails. And I do it a couple times in the book. So basically, you can take uh, whatever limoncello you like, or if you're one of those people that make your own or have some uh, from a friend uh, back in the freezer... Um, I believe we're doing a quarter ounce of uh, limoncello. And just to show the items, I'm going to do a jigger. I'm going to eventually put it in this cocktail glass or coupe glass, Very they nice. call it. Uh, I have a bar spoon. Um, these have come way down in price these days. So you can get one probably 10, 20 bucks. Back in the day, yeah. it was a lot more expensive. You can, If you're at home, you can use a chopstick. It really doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to use my finger. Chopstick. <laughs> uh, and then I have a 
during class. Mine just happens to be metal because I can take it on the road or go camping, and I, I like it. But yep, a mug, a glass, those those beautiful glass uh, uh, stirring uh, vessels that people see these days. Again, those have come way down on price. So out on you know out on the internet, they're fifteen, twenty five bucks, and getting one of those. So we can go um, the smallest ingredients first. I'm going to do like a quarter ounce of limoncello. And sorry, do you want to put the ice in the mixer first, or do you want to put the ice in second? Yes. Let's ice put first. the ice in the mixer first. So that we're not splashing all over our desk. <laughs> yes. Our laptops. I actually wanted the same thing. Nice. Uh, home refrigerator, uh, home freezer ice is good. People make a lot of noise about ice in the cocktail world. If you're, you, you know, if your freezer is making ice at home, it's making quote unquote slow ice. Uh, we had a war with restaurants that were using those big, you know, blown out cubes. The idea in the 70s, 80s and 90s was to take up, to make ice as quickly as possible that took up the most amount of surface area so that you got a larger looking drink. Um, but your, but your ice at home is fine. Unless it's been, you know, unless you have a, a bag of, uh, you know, stale shrimp sitting on top of it, in which case you want to make new ice. Ice is a huge part of cocktails. Um, or you need to make a new cocktail. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it could be delicious with uh, the right, you know, with a little meat mm. whiskey <laughs> and some <laughs> Um, but yeah. yeah, you just want to make sure it's uh, fresh. Um, I use one of those silicone trays. A lot of people do. I love uh, those. It makes fantastic ice. Uh, so we're going to add, uh, add a little limoncello. I think we're just doing a quarter ounce of that. Mm -hmm. And then we are adding some sweet vermouth. I'm going to use some Dolan. Oh, that's what vermouth yes. is. All right. I've been using Berto, uh, yeah, which Berto's I really like as well. What is vermouth? <laughs> what is vermouth? I went to a liquor store and they were like. Yes. What is vermouth? So vermouth, just in case people don't uh, need a little refresher on it, is basically aromatized wine. And I do like to remind people that it's aromatized wine because a lot of people pop open their vermouth, make a couple of Manhattans or whatever, and then they leave it on top of their refrigerator or microwave for months and don't don't see it again. That's the same as leaving a bottle of wine on top of your refrigerator opened and hot. So your, your vermouth basically starts dying the moment you open it. It will last refrigerated for probably three weeks. So that's Ooh. why I like to buy a smaller bottle of vermouth because yeah. you have less surface area uh, for the air. It aromatizes a little uh, slower. Now, a lot of, do you need to go throughout the vermouth you have in your kitchen? Maybe, but probably not re really. A lot of the cheaper brands know that you've left it on top of your <laughs> oven and they're sort of created <laughs> or left it on top of your vermouth and they've sort of created that flavor and that, you know, um, some of the common vermouths that you have taste a lot like oregano and uh, and black olives, which is can be good in a Manhattan. Depends, you know, with pizza or spaghetti or something. Uh, that's fantastic. Dolan's a little lighter. Um, it's a very high quality vermouth that everybody can get across the United States, which is why I use it quite often. We're gonna do a half an ounce of that. So I there is make a double because the show is an hour. Yeah, make <laughs> yes. responsible. Yeah. That's what I already oh, did. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. You know, it's kind of like in an airline when they say that you have to put the mask on yourself before someone else. Like, make sure you make yourself a drink before you get someone else a drink. 100%. <laughs> I love the idea that this is what happens every week. We've, yes. we're, no, we're not a comic book show anymore. We just make cocktails. And then I mean, you have a shit. 
of Ryan yes. Bourbon Works here. All right, we're on the same page. You got a little sad. Look at you guys. Well, you're, you're a NOLA guy. Maybe that was subconscious that I got. I mean, I, 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 you know that Sazerac has their own restaurant here in New Orleans. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Um, though I really like Templeton if I'm drinking rye, but my – I don't have any rye, so I have Woodford Reserve that I'm Woodford Reserve. Out. All right, that will be tasty. I really yes, I love Old Forester. It is higher for oh, Old Forester is fantastic. I do think with rye, there's a lot of great rye inexpensively on the market. Rittenhouse is a great one. Uh, love Bazarac, You know, of course, Wild Turkey makes a rye. Everybody makes a rye these days, and and they're they're all really fantastic. Um, you know, if you become a rye connoisseur, you can kind of taste the difference. Rye gives it a little bit of heat and a little bit of like sharp edge to it. Um, so I do feel like rye is a little bit of like a cocktailer's uh, spirit. It's definitely not uh, training wheel whiskey, which is probably bourbon, which is a little bit sweeter. Um, so if you have a guest uh, or you yourself don't like kind of that sharpness of rye, there's nothing wrong with making a, a bourbon Manhattan or in this case, a Gotham City. Um, so we're going to take that and we're just going to stir it. And are we in the in the recipe? There are bitters. Are we adding bitters or? Yes, let's add bitters. I can't remember if I, I couldn't remember if I did it as a garnish at the end or in it, which is sort of half one a dozen of the other. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and add a few bitters. I have Angostura. You can use anything. You could use Thomas. Uh, is you know Fee Brothers Thomas. okay? Yes. Yep. Okay. No, it's not okay, Alex. You've messed this up. <laughs> Give up. Oh. Oh. I'm blogging off. I'm blogging off. In the garbage. Throw it out. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a difference between a, a lot of times Manhattans are made with bitters in it. Sometimes it's on top. The only difference is when you first lean into that glass, are you getting the aromas from the bitter or not? Bitters or not? Do you want that? I feel like a lot of times these days, bitters have sort of been confined to, um, as a, as a garnish, been confined to cocktails that have uh, egg white in it. So that when you get a frothy drink, they do that little trick where they put like three or four dabs of bitters on top and then run a toothpick through it. Um, so it's not only beautiful, but you don't smell egg white first, you smell bitters instead. Yeah. And that's where you're going to see bitters uh, most often used as a garnish. Um, um, instead of bitters, I have this tiny pine cone I just got. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that works. Bitter. That might work. It's pretty bitter. A nice resin <laughs> residue. Yeah. Justin, why? So we're gonna why give that a, I'm a nature boy. We're going to give that a good stir. And um, and uh, go ahead and pour it out. Actually, this next part is my favorite part of the recipe. Is when you take the lemon. You take a lemon. Take a wide peeler. You can take any peeler you have at home. If you don't have any kind of peeler at home, you can make a coin. So that's it. That is just cutting a little bit of the skin off. But in this case, I'm going to take a little bit of lemon. And the oils on the lemon rind are on the outside. So with the outside facing out over your glass, give that sucker a little squeeze mm -hmm. uh, like so. And when bartenders do that, what you're seeing is them expressing the oil over the top of the drink. My and favorite part is the discard. Yeah, and then you discard. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of into the discard in this book because a lot of the recipes at that time do discard. A lot of times people drop it in the drink um, for a while, there's yeah, a little you, back and forth on whether you still, want to it's so it's so like rich, it's so there yeah. though. It's, mm. it's lovely. 
Yeah, that's ah, very good. Delicious. Wow. I will tell you, the oh, as delicious. we've been over the past uh, couple of months or so doing these drinks, I never used to do the garnish before. I never used to do the lemon peel or the grapefruit peel or anything like that. No, you used to do sour candy, right? Yeah, I used to use like sour candy or Reese's peanut butter cups, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, it really does actually make a big difference. Like, I, this, There's a reason! I know! Reason. This has completely turned me around, this experiment that we've been doing, because... I know, it's, it's kind of funny, because you sit at a bar and you watch a bartender doing that, and you're like, oh, it's some hocus pocus, it looks cool, I kind of understand it, but then when you go home and you make a martini for yourself, and you try it, and you think, why is this just not popping the way <laughs> this it does? This tastes bad! Yeah, and then <laughs> why? you take just a little bit of expressed lemon oil on top, and it really opens up the whole drink. Yeah. It really opens up the alcohol. So, yeah, it turns out that, um, you know, I always like to tell people to think of their garnish first. Um, because so often, you know, certainly when I started making cocktails, you make the whole drink, you run around, you try it, and then you think, shoot, the where, do I even have a lemon? I don't even know if I have a lemon. You know, so it's like always have that. And, you know, it's just something that chefs do, too. Basically, for cocktails, you can have a mise en place, right? You set everything up and get everything out and going. Um, exactly. <laughs> no. Luckily, in the cocktail world, we don't have to have. I have a discard bucket stuff. over here, too. Yeah. Wow, so this guy's a pro. I find that it sounds like it's a hassle to set up in advance and even, you know, have simple syrup in a, in a you know, in a squeeze bottle and that kind of stuff. But actually, it makes your it takes all the headache out of your cocktail hour. You know, let's say on Sunday night, you know, if you're really thinking ahead, Sunday night you could set up kind of the stuff that you want to drink during the week. And at five o'clock, instead of having to hunt around for lemons and make simple syrup and all this stuff, you can just make yourself a drink in three minutes flat or less, which is pretty pretty nice. <laughs> now, something that uh, people might have seen as we were flipping through some of the pages here on the broadcast, but people on the audio podcast might know, is beyond drinks, you also have food in the cookbook, in yeah. the book, mm. I guess, cookbook. And Brett, you made a couple of the items, right? I did. Them off? But let me just say, uh, in all honesty, until like last week, I forgot that you had food in the book. <laughs> we just been focusing. Easy to forget. We focus. Yeah, I mean, we've been yeah. focused on the cocktails, and so in most books, uh, in in this style, cocktail books, they always put food in the back, and it's like it never coincides with whatever. Like here's this right. Manhattan, and we pair it with a ribeye, but like right. you're not, like right. no one's doing that. So actually the, the food that you have in here is just great for what it is. It's like if this was, if you were hanging out with two friends and chatting, you'd want these little finger foods, little things like that. So I actually did do the uh, Gotham City Wings. Yes. Yes. Wow. Look at that. So to describe this for people who are listening on the podcast, this is chicken wings that have yes. been dyed with squid ink, I believe, and are in the show. No, it's not squid ink. No? Wait, you're, oh, you're joking about that. Yes, oh, so it's pen ink. It's, it's pen uh, ink. Food color. That's fantastic. Made it look like food color. Yes. And they're really, it's really great. It's, it's pretty good barbecue sauce. Brett, uh, some All people right. are saying, can you get closer to the camera just because... Uh, yeah, let's see those suckers. Yeah, so, yeah. It's uh, oh, yeah. I did my best to make it look like the bat symbol, but yes. This <laughs> <laughs> as a spe future special at the restaurant. Brett. Yes. Yeah. So what is that? It's barbecued chicken wings, essentially, is what it is. Yes. Yeah, it's and a then I made straightforward chicken uh, barbecue recipe. Yeah. Yep. And then I made these little. Uh, actually, you know what? I went to the store 
to get Old Bay, but this is the South. Oh, Old Bay doesn't Bay. exist. It doesn't exist at all. I had to make it. Oh, it. wow. Wow. I should ship you some uh, when I go to Baltimore. I, I get tons of Old Bay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can get it through, like, purveyors, and they're all like, yeah, hold on. It'll be, like, two weeks. No. Like, really. <laughs> you could get it at the store. But the other thing I made was was your little uh, espresso nocturnes for the cremes, which are really nice just in the shot glass. They put a little orange zest on top, like the recipe. Uh, Just out of curiosity, I mean, you do a little shout out to your wife for the brownies in the back. Where did you get the food from? Yeah, the food, I feel like I I haven't. So I'm an old restaurant reviewer, and I actually owned a restaurant in Chicagoland. So... Food is one of my first loves, and I've been at these cocktails for so long that I've just developed a few things up my sleeve. So when this book came out, I thought, oh, I'm going to use that. You know, because uh, the Nocturnes uh, came about, I think, because I needed to go um, there. It's like they're lighter, right? There's not any, you know, normally when you're making a mousse, you end up with like lots of egg and all this stuff. Yeah. And I wanted something lighter that's gelatin. Um, yeah, these so were all... Both of these were very easy. It's just throw the yeah. stuff in the pot, bring it to a boil, turn it off, add the chocolate. It's not really yeah, it's it's sort of the I, I like to call it like a, a drinker's mousse, right? Because I feel like as cocktailers, <laughs> we might not, you know, after the second drink, we're kind of lazy and we're not gonna make a full mousse. <laughs> <laughs> I also I also appreciate the little direct do this podcast every week wing. after two drinks. Where you were like, yes, break it at the joint so you can expand it and make it like a bat wing. I appreciated that. I yeah, actually, I mean, the bat wings, I was wondering whether I should do it. I thought that yeah. jet wings might be too uh, boilerplate, you know, but I thought, God, I've got to do these jet black wings. They're just too funny. They're very They're cool. too fun for cocktails. Uh, I also took, like, the joints, all the joints, even on those, and, and French them a little bit. I mean, obviously, nice. no one has to do that. So, so you can basically lollipop the whole thing. Yeah. I love it. Look at this awesome. industry terms coming up. This yeah. French them. French them. Like, uh, yeah. is chicken wing 201. I'm doing 101. <laughs> Another yeah. thing, you, if we're talking restaurant shop here, uh, you always befriend the bartender. You always befriend the beverage director. Always. Always. Yes. As a rule. As a rule, and uh, the chef, hopefully too, but definitely the bartender who typically start with the bartender, get to the chef. You get the yeah. bartender, you get the chef. You're a regular for life. Uh, Andre, this has been absolutely amazing. But before we let you go, so Gotham City Cocktails is on shelves now. Is there anything else coming down the road that you want to plug? Yeah, crazily enough, I've had a wild pandemic. I wrote a book called Booze and Vinyl last, uh, or actually back in it came out in 2018. And I just finished a second volume of that, which comes out in spring. And then I also Mm. have simultaneously, I have a book called Booze Cruise. So right before the pandemic, I did a full circumnavigation of the globe (laughs) and pulled a book together. Uh, It was like it's more than 40 cities around the world, kind of what they eat, what the and what the essential cocktails are. Um, So I've got that going on. And then I'm currently working on a global cocktail food book, which comes out in spring. uh, Sorry, fall 22. So all of that is, uh, you know, all of that stuff going on. Um, it's all at underdarlington.com. I have a newsletter. Um, keep up. You know, my next newsletter will include this and links to that. Yeah. That- right. Yep. Um, so that's uh, what's happening. It's a great way to stay. Um, you know, I'm just trying to stay more in conversation with people. I feel like during the pandemic, 
um, cocktails became this way that people came together over Zoom and formats like this uh, to have a little community after it was taken away from us, sadly. So um, it's just a way to, way to uh, the newsletter and the website and stuff is a way to keep the conversation rolling with people. And Andre, where are you based? I'm actually in Philadelphia. All right. Uh, I believe a lot of Philly references. That's where Pete is based as well. All right. right. West well, Philly. Give us, yeah. give us the shout out on a, a bar to check out in Philadelphia. Um, a bar which, to or check a couple out in Philadelphia is yeah. in Fishtown called R&D, which I think stands for Research and Development, possibly, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> after that, sorry, R&D, if that's not what it is. Uh, if it's Renee and Desiree, but I think yeah. it's <laughs> Two great names. Yeah, Both uh, work. Exactly. Uh, R&D uh, has collected a lot of the great bartenders in Philadelphia after the pandemic here. Um, they're now open, I think, at least six days a week. Uh, great convivial bar. I'm going to do an event there next month. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Roll through. Yeah, absolutely. I'll see you there. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Andre, thank you so much for coming on. Brett, thank you for coming on as well. And thanks, uh, both of you. Actually, if oh, I didn't yeah. do this, uh, she would be really mad at me. It's my 14th wedding anniversary. Oh, oh nice man. Man. are you here? Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually nocturnes too. Yeah, I'm using yeah. my my groomsman, whatever this is, glass. Oh, I love it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, cheers well, to well, you right. anniversary. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to meet you all and Brett, who we were chatting briefly on Instagram. I love that you guys are cooking through the book. Thank you so much for having me on. It, the book is really a love letter to Batman and all things Batman world. Uh, and it's been really exciting to see fans really take to this book. The book is doing uh, doing great. And, I, you know, Instagram is full of hilarious pictures uh, of people <laughs> dressing up as the Joker and drinking, you know, which doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, Guys. Uh, as Nat, Nat says in the comments, we have been drinking so much due to this book. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a labor of love. And that also said... Uh, Tell the waiter, quote, bring the chef out here. I doubt he's busy. Um, <laughs> Pete, not uh -oh. true. Uh-oh, uh here we go. <laughs> the next time you guys do a live show, I'm going to be there. And I'm going to punch him in the face for you. So don't worry about it. We're he's both going to knuckle Nate. them. Yeah. Wow. All right. This, <laughs> is, this is neither here nor there. Uh, guys, thank <laughs> you so much for coming on. We're going to move on with the show. Andre, Brett, have a good thank night. You. Take care. Later. There we go. Uh, happy wedding anniversary. Happy That's wedding great. anniversary to Brett. So also, nice. if you are New Orleans way, definitely go to Koshan, his restaurant. Uh, Justin, you went I can't so wait. Good. I want to go. Uh, I went there, yes. I was down in New Orleans doing um, uh, shooting a commercial, doing night line shoots. Producer. You were a line uh, nope. producer. Uh, I was not doing that. Um, uh, we were shooting a commercial down there, and I we were shooting nights, so I shot all night. Went and slept for four hours, and then went to Kashan and had a an, an amazing uh, lunch, and then f so good, like very rich food. Went back, slept more, and then got up and shot our side of this commercial. Nice. I was feeling amazing. I actually went there. I uh, hung out with Brett, obviously, and Sleepy Pigeon from the uh, Patreon Slack. Nice. It was amazing. Awesome. So uh, and don't forget to also check out Gotham City Cocktails from Andre Darlington, which is out now, as we have been talking about incessantly for the past two months. It is great. And, folks, we're going to move on with our next section, which is my – oh, you wanted to say something else? Justin. Real quick, this is maybe unnecessary to say, but I will be back in New Orleans in November. Brett, we are coming to your restaurant. Yeah. Whoa, November's. Ooh, All right. Yeah. There we go. All right. We're going to move on with your audience question. Ooh. 
And for audience questions, this is pretty straightforward. You guys know how to do this. You can drop a question over in YouTube, or if you're over on Crowdcast, you can do it over and ask a question. But I'll tell you what, guys, before we get to the audience questions, I loved, loved learning about all these fancy cocktails. But I'll tell you what I don't like. Do you know what I don't like? Cocktails. You know, when you're like, your pubes get too long, and it starts to look like you have like a furry tail going on down there i don't like that um yes um yes i hear you alex this is good <laughs> that was a good transition into this uh there's no doubt about that i because you know here's the thing i know what you mean uh, it makes total sense to me as i was saying uh, that's why i use the performance package 4.0 from manscaped inside you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer weed whacker era and nose hair trimmer crop preserver ball deodorant so happy to be saying this here in the woods. Uh, Crop Reviver Toner plus two free gifts, boxer briefs, and a shed travel bag. Cool. <laughs> Look, should you be should you be drinking and trimming? Maybe not. But if you do, the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents <laughs> thanks to their advanced skin safe technology plus a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch. That can engage uh, via travel lock, and it gives you the ability to turn on a 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when you need a more precise shave. That's One time I cut my whole dick off. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. That's Manscaped specifically asked us to say that. Um, good news, <laughs> the lawnmower is also waterproof in case you drop it in your drink. Um, this package also comes with a weed whacker, which uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotor dual-blade system. That's technology. Uh, this nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate uh, holes. Okay. No dick at all. You know that line in Ghostbuster where they say this man has no dick? That was based on my life. True story. Yes, a lot All of right. Ghostbusters is based on your life. <laughs> you uh, you had that big fight with that librarian, right? You know yes. it. Yeah. Plus, you're going to get the co- Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toter and Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. You'll be saying goodbye to cocktails and hello to cocktails with no space between the two words, just to be clear, in no time. <laughs> Ray, if someone asks if you're a god, you say Yes! Oh. There you go. Uh, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year. Not a term I use a lot with Manscaped. <laughs> with Manscaped. Ah, <laughs> uh, great. All right. Let's move into our audience questions. And just a hot tip. If you want Pete to actually read your lines... Give him lines you definitely don't want him to read and then tell him he's definitely not going to read them. There you go. Mr. (laughs) Reverse Psychology himself. Word for word, baby! (laughs) Jesus. It's a game Uh, of chicken we're all losing at. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to our questions here. We got one from Edward Doherty over on Crowdcast. Which characters have the least well-defined or most visually confusing powers in comics. For the life of me, I can't figure out what the darkness does beside having little no. goblins pose no. around him. That's, well, That's such a good goblins. question. That's such a good question because I do think there are this, these characters on the edges of comics where it's like, this is a cool idea. It just doesn't work in comics because mm-hmm. of uh, whatever. Like, 
for as much as we love what's his name uh the Piper. spot uh in um, from spider-man um, yeah. who um goes in and out through different holes i feel like it just doesn't quite work the way it's been done they, it always gets too it heightens too quickly and all of a sudden there's just too much it's chaotic um in a, in a normal uh panel grid uh, yeah, Nat actually brings up in the com- comments here, Spawn. I do think that's another good one. I don't know what Spawn does. He, oh, Pete got so angry, he just left about Spawn. Oh, he's back. Don't talk uh, he's, shit about Spawn. I'll leave He's again. got chains. He goes to hell sometimes. What are his powers? A cape? Well, I believe his powers are the uh, the ticking clock running mm-hmm. down was mostly. And also, chains are not powers. Chains are a burden that he bears, I believe, sure. technically. Okay. Yeah, but he can control the chains and he can do things with the chains. And, uh, you know, he's also, uh, you know, can't be killed. So there's that stuff. I have another answer here that's something that has sort of bothered me for many years. Um, Galactus. Like, everything about Galactus is awesome. He shows up. It's scary. It's intimidating. But the actual eating of a planet never looks right. It's weird. He like, Well, you shouldn't eat in front of people. It's, uh, it's always feet. Yeah. He eats with his feet. He has tiny little mouths in his feet. They go, yum, 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 on the planet as he's yes. sinking into it. That's what Stan Lee said originally. Yeah. yeah I don't know. He eats with his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. We got to get this one out. Uh, yeah. Uh, most of the, I mean, this is the problem with comics, and I feel like I run into this sometimes when people ask me specifically about the movies or TV shows and like, hey, what's this character's deal? I'm like, don't worry about it <laughs> because they have cosmic energy or they're an omega level mutant or something like that. There's a certain point, particularly when a character gets so overpowered that it doesn't matter what they do. And it's more about who they are and how they approach problems because most of their powers are shooting rays out of their eyes, shooting rays out of their hands, exploding somehow, but coming back together. And that's pretty much it. Well, let me throw out topically um, Kang. A lot of people talking Kang, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to let's not get into it. I've been avoiding that so hardcore because every time yeah. I think about it, I'm like, well, Kang, he uh, conquers. Uh, he conquers. He does that. <laughs> he definitely uh, when I, whenever anybody's asked me, they're like, what's his deal? I'm like, oh, mostly he stands there with his hands behind his back and floats on a platform and says, now yeah. Avengers, it is time. And that's yeah. pretty much it. But you've crossed me for the last time this time for sure. <laughs> time. Uh, time. I do time. Uh, quick shout out to uh, Josh. He puts the planet in his mouth and eats it. I wish Galactus was just eating planets like apples because that would make <laughs> way more sense. Oh, it would make so much more sense. Or if he, you know, like, but what, what would he be or... standing on? What would he be standing on if he's holding Earth? Space. Like, I don't know. Another space? larger Earth. Hard to draw. Where's what's that planet coming? What's the story with that planet, Alex? Why's he got a stand? It's, called, he it's called Large Earth. He's sitting on that. <laughs> he's picking a bunch of planets out of a planet tree and he's eating them like apples. Everybody knows there's Strings a strength very strong. That's all I'm saying. Meat and mine was st- stronger because I substituted some stuff. Limoncello <laughs> is like poison to me. That stuff's bad. I've never had, had it before. Blech. Blech. It's like drink. It's like separately and taste it. It's like putting a soap, a uh, big piece of soap in your mouth. <laughs> Wait, Pete, what are you drinking? Oh, Since I'm... you couldn't find for booth. 
Oh, so I, what I, anyway, what I, I, love, did, I love how chill you were through that whole thing. You didn't yeah. say a word. You just <laughs> sipped it, whatever you were drinking the entire <laughs> yeah. time. See, what you I do, did, if you said anything, we were going to call you out, right? Yeah, yeah. 100%. I, see, what I do, it's very complicated, but I can go over it for you, is I take booze, and then mm-hmm. I put it in a glass, mm-hmm. and then I drink it. Or mm-hmm. in this case, I add a little half and half here of the Arnie Palmer special that was on sale at the gas station near my house. And then stir it up with a, you know, the uh, stick of some kind. A stick of some kind. (laughs) A stick of some kind. Let me say, Pete, you may be the most Gotham City uh, bartender of us all because you are drinking hard and don't care what it tastes like. That's right. We got a kind of question sort of comment over here on YouTube. This is from The Big. Just finished Sweet Tooth. So will Johnny the Last Man Henchman with a Heart of Gold turn out to be the true hero of the show? Second guest, the horse. Ah, uh, well, yeah. We Obviously, we're all getting horsed tonight specifically. <laughs> uh, let's not Get forget horsed. that. Yeah, shout Get out horsed. to Candyman, a Sweet Tooth podcast. Check it out for that fun running bit. You'll get it then. Yeah, you'll get it then. Uh I I will say that henchman does strike me as a character that is spotlighted in the um the end of the series the mm-hmm. first season. So may maybe and also maybe one of the most taken from the comic book moments uh, of the show from from my observation. One other thing, this is very sad and not addressing this question at all, but something that came out today that I thought was interesting is Netflix released a bunch of viewing figures. They're self-reported figures, so they're already a little iffy. Also, Netflix bases their figures on two minutes of a household watching a TV show, so barely counts as a view. But Sweet Tooth, they announced for the first time, had 60 million households watch it in the first 28 days. That's compared to Ah. Shadow and Bone, for example, that was also in a very similar period in the first 28 days, did 55 million, and that was picked up. So I feel like we've talked, I've certainly been wondering why hasn't Sweet Tooth been picked up for a season two? And if you go back and listen to our podcast, we were lucky enough to talk to Jim Mickle, the showrunner, and Amanda Burrell, the executive producer. We have separate podcasts for them. They are gung-ho on doing a second season. They were ready to go back in June when we talked to them. Yeah. It's been well more than a month at this point. So hopefully, hopefully there's going to be an announcement soon. Yeah. Let me throw this out. They could be already working on it before they announce it. Like yeah. I, I, I think they'll definitely do it. I mean, it's, it's RDJ's production company and we've got a lot of RDJ hype coming on our uh, podcast in the near future. <laughs> so um, get ready for that. But uh, yes, I think it is. Uh, it's coming. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll get an announcement soon to your point. I mean, very similarly lock and key. I believe they had pretty much the second season already broken, if not written well before they even launched season one, like they were already working on it just in case. So that seems to be the pattern with Netflix. I think and that's the future, I think, where it's like you shorten the timeline of when you're making your announcements and your release date because it just makes people, it's more in the consciousness, it's better for the show. This is from Nat Townsend. What is the most delectable meal you have ever seen depicted in a comic book? Just to throw it out there, any of the watery soups that Alfred feeds Bruce. 
Yes, definitely. Those sad-ass soups that Alfred, honestly, whips together at the last minute. He's like, oh, "Oh, shit, Batman's up. I'm going to pour some tea in a bowl. He died, all right? (laughs) I had some leftover Earl Grey in my cup. I'm going to pour it in this bowl and serve it to Bruce. He he raped him. Race he wasn't getting up. He wasn't getting up nutrition from the thin soups. He needed oh, a stew. Stop. Alfred needed a stew. How dare you? Um, how about the dinner that the Joker served, where it was um, faces, <laughs> the face dinner, <laughs> faces from death. That was that death of the family. The Scott Snyder yeah, uh, death crossover. Of the family. Um. Uh, so I'm how about to find that? The name of it. I feel like I've mentioned. It's a bunch of manga it's... stuff that is amazing. Yeah, too, I was going to mention. Uh, I think it's this book called Oshinko, or something like that. This is not delectable, but I do think about this all the time. They talk about a dish which is, and I believe this is a real dish where a seal eats a bunch of seagulls, and then the seal dies, and they take it and they bury it in the ground for like two months until it becomes fermented. Oshinbo. There you go. Uh, and then they dig it up, and apparently it's fragrant and kind of terrible, but also hits this pleasure center in your brain at the same time. Um, so disgusting, what? and they go into it very much in depth of the book. But it's definitely something that like I think about very frequently. And that, that's a, there's an Icelandic dish that's like burying a shark for, and then you eat it a couple of weeks later or something, and it's uh, it's awful. It's like poison. <laughs> like what are we doing? <laughs> Pete, you got an answer? Did Punisher eat one of his guns one time or something like that? Uh, no, I'm trying to think. I, I wish there was uh, more Rochester-based comic books where you could get really, uh, you know, get some sweet shots of the garbage plate. But Pete, let me ask you: How often, when you finished a perfect garbage plate, you know, oh. on the styrofoam plate that you eat it off yeah. of, like yeah. an like an animal, mm-hmm. when you finished it, were you ever like, hmm, delectable? Well, when when I was a kid. <laughs> To prove, you know, your your manhood, uh, you would uh, lift up the plate because by the time you finished, the plate was now clear. Like that's how gross uh, the food is. It would take a paper plate or, or a styrofoam plate and it would turn it clear. And let's remember, this is food that's going into your body that you put in your body. <laughs> that's right. Does your I'm body perfect. also go clear? No. Yes. That would be Skin. cool. That would be fun. You can see for years, invisible. you can see right through Pete. You can see right through Pete. <laughs> uh, all right. This is from Kevin. Are there comics you got drunk to read or that you were drunk when you read the first time? And did you go back and reread them sober? Hmm. No, I, I I don't. I rarely at the end of a night, I'm like, let me just tuck in with some comic books after I've been out drinking or at home. I have a hard time reading when I'm drunk. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when we're reading stuff for the stack or prepping for the show, I'll have a drink while I'm reading because it's nice. But I don't think, to your point, I want to concentrate on the stuff. So I'm not like time to get wasted or anything. Yeah. Um, I I feel like I mentioned this. Maybe I just mentioned this on Twitter and not the show when there was all that stuff going around about the new 52 a couple of weeks ago. Very weirdly, but... Before the new 52 launch, they had, they being DC, had an event for press near Midtown Comics, which was like the official launch party signing Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder and everybody else were there, Jim Lee. Uh, And they took over a very small bar 
like down the block. I don't even remember exactly where it was and, and had press people there. They had all the new 52 comic books and an open bar. And we just sat there for like two hours just so we could read through all the books. And it was nobody talking, everybody drinking every once in a while. Somebody would be like, this one's good. You want to read this one? I'd be like, sure. And that was the most conversation we have. Awesome. So I might've gotten like a little tipsy there, but that's it. <laughs> no, that's just that's my story that, about drinking in comic books. There you go. That sounds like a weird evening, if oh I may God. say. Ultimate party, I think, frankly. Reading comic books, drinking, not having to talk to anybody, delightful. <laughs> in a public area, then taking the subway home, dream. <laughs> Times Square, love it. Nick Grayson <laughs> says, What planet would you eat? Oh, great call. This I mean, is a trap. All right. Is anybody going to fall no. into this trap? Yes, this is a trap. And I was about to say it to avoid it, but you're right. You're right, Alex. We'll Let's avoid the fall trap. fall into that trap. Pete, what planet are you eating? <laughs> it's not, they're not all a trap. There's one specific planet that's a trap. There are a lot of other planets you could eat. Like, yeah. for instance, I feel like Mercury is sort of like a spicy, ooh, very yeah. caliente, muy caliente mm-hmm. planet. Yeah, and Mars, Jupiter's like too much. Yeah, Mars is probably like a little juicy because it's so red. I hope it yeah. would have a nougat center. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, I, you know what, uh, uh, Pete? Put the nougat shit away. We no man, don't you fucking start hating on my love of nougat. Your life is chasing nougat. Just get it. Oh, Just there's nothing nougat. like nougat, dude. There's nougat on. is available. Yeah, that's why you didn't nougat. like that John Carter movie because you didn't find the nougat in the center of Mars. Yeah. John Carter, uh, man, what a movie. I came out of that movie and I was like, this is going to be some kid's candy bar. This is the tastiest uh, movie I've ever, um, a generation. Well, I guess Uranus. <laughs> oh, French class. All right, I love this a is, trap. We got last one uh, from Lamanana, which is a, I feel like this is a very private thing for Pete. Which is a better movie, The Incredibles or Shrek? Were you arguing about this earlier today, Pete? Yes. Yes, we were. We've been arguing about this for days. Wait, hold on. What side did you fall on? Because here's what I'm going to get. Well, let me guess. guess. I am so mad right now. Okay, here's here's my guess. Pete just left. My guess is that Luana, just based on age, said Shrek. And you said The Incredibles. Is that Right. right? Yep. Luana's wrong. <laughs> Shrek, Shrek is trash. Fuck Sucks. Shrek, I say. Sucks. No, Shrek, never say. Hey, hey, bad hey, movie. Hey, bad girlfriend. Right bad boyfriend. <laughs> bad life. Stop what you're doing right now. You're please. all bad people. Bad. You have to go <laughs> back and you assholes are done here. So please. Uh, obviously we're just kidding oh pete obviously we're just kidding but i would a million percent incredibles over yeah i have i do this show on wednesday nights called characters welcome and one of the other hosts of that show is obsessed with shrek and we get in fights constantly about shrek uh, it's a terrible movie i it's disingenuous. It cast stars at the expense of actual voice actors. The animation is terrible. Ooh. The animation is also sparse. Like, this has bothered me since that movie came out, that it looked like 
It was badly rendered. It was characters wandering across bare backgrounds with no characters and no life to it whatsoever. The Dude, jokes are callous and dumb. Yes. The only Don't thing good... Okay. Oh. Donkey! It's like nails on a chalkboard. The only thing that's good about it is the enduring uh, Smash Mouth all-star jokes. Like, that is wow. it. That is the one thing that I enjoy out of Shrek. Wow. And not even the uh, songs, I'm, the jokes. I'm, that's it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Luana, that you asked this question. And we're so... Uh, it was of his <laughs> time. It was callous. Luana says it was of his time. No, it was David Katzenberg trying to outsell Disney and then like everything else, crashing and burning an entire industry. There wow. you go. Uh, wow. His name is Lord Farquaad. Oh. <laughs> he's saying fuckwad. He's saying it's, he's saying it's, it's not it's even bad. a funny joke. It's no, not it's good. Just... It's weird. Terrible. All of those movies are terrible. All the Shrek movies are terrible. The Puss in Boots movie is terrible. Shrek 4D. The thing I saw at the zoo one time, bad. <laughs> oh, you saw it at a zoo? That's fun. Sure. Yeah, it's good stuff. Incredibles, great movie. You know what I like to do I... at zoos? Go watch a movie. <laughs> I usually. <laughs> are there other places to see a movie? The zoo, the aquarium. Those are the places that I go. I can't wait Sorry, until Kate... things really open up again so I can go see 4D movies. <laughs> Sorry, uh, caged animals. I'm here to watch a t- big TV, which is what I do at home. Also, <laughs> yeah. <Have> your life. <laughs> Sorry, live animals. Oh, oh, boy. Well, I'm sorry your relationship is over, but so <laughs> is this section audience question. What a, what a great question to ask after we've all definitely had a cocktail, at least tonight. <laughs> yeah. And we are going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. And on wow, this episode, right. once again, we this got an open... Pete? Okay, great. So this is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics Online because if you had 25 bucks, you go get some comic books. All we need is a first hand up. On <laughs> no. either the two. Yes, or... you didn't explain this part. So we have been putting out to uh, book people for trivia uh, this week. Oh, Nobody did have hands up. Uh, Kevin has hands up, which I feel like is going to turn out very poorly for us. That's but a trap. I am. It's trap, like many it's things on the show. It's we a are Uranus. Going to invite him speaking into of, the stream. Speaking of traps, real quick shout out to um, Liwana's uh, comment. Wow, Pete gets to sleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> now that's incredible. Kelvin! Kevin! Welcome. How are you? All right. And I'm just going to say right up front. I am donating the prize to uh, Ben and uh, Beer Cat. Oh, uh, that's nice. In honor of their engagement. That's great. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. That's some, cool. uh, That'll pay for the wedding. Lovely frogs <laughs> and uh, stuff behind you there, Kev. Oh, yeah. Uh, I brought another set of uh, puppets if you guys wanted to. Uh, these are from Geek. <laughs> So okay. the characters, the Mario characters yes. from the Potu, and then these are my frogs, and mm-hmm. the T-Rex I forgot to mention last time with mm-hmm. the uh, Folkmanis puppets. Let me ask you, what does that light switch go to? <laughs> the ultimate puppet. Ooh. There it is. All right, Pete, 
Take it away. All right, here we go. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Biz Marquis. Nobody beats the Biz. Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Please listen to all three options before making your selection, Kev. Here we go. In the new series, Spider-Man Beyond, Spider-Man is teaming up with whom? Is it A, Ben Riley, B, The Beyonder, or C, Nick Cannon? So it's either A, which is the only one that really makes sense, or it could be B. I'm going to go with A. Correct. Woo. All right. Here we go. Question number two. Which character is coming back in Thor number 18 in October? Hint. Cameo. There's a cameo in the Loki TV show. Is it A, Alligator Loki, B, Frog Thor, or C, Rosario Dawson? <laughs> so it is either A, unfortunately, or it's B. Hey, I'm a fan of Frog Thor and Alligator Loki, but I'm going to go with B on this one. That is correct. I also agree with that statement. I'm hoping to get both of them, but right now we're only getting Frog Thor. Here we go. Last one. On August 10th, we're getting a new Batman comic called Blank. Is it A, I am Batman, B, Batman Reptilian, or is it C, Tony Shalhoub? So it's either A, I'm Batman, or is it C, or I'm sorry, or B, Batman Reptilian. Don't pick B. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, no, it's Men in Black 2. Yes, you are correct. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with uh, A. A, yes, you are correct. $25 free dollars is yours to do with you what you wish. And it's nice of you to donate to love, Kev. Uh, Congratulations, Kevin. Nice. Yes, thank you for coming on. I swear we will complete your quiz at some point, <laughs> but just not today. Part of our... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I figured. Okay. It's All part right. of our end of summer. We're looking sharp, Kev. You're looking sharp. You're looking great. All right, we'll talk it. to you Even soon. in the middle of vacation time, you're still... All business. Yes. All right, Kevin. Congratulations. You'll be getting $25 from Midtown Comics. Talk soon. Have a good night. All right. Uh, Later. There we go. Now, as we all know, comics are cool. What yep. cool comics are you looking forward to, Pete? Well, there is a compendium coming out called Lock and Key Keyhouse that I'm very excited for. Uh, I'm going to get that. Ooh. And also uh, Usagi Yojimbo number 21. Justin, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Great question, Alex. I have to give it up to... Tough. I'm going to say Radiant Black number six. Oh, um, wow. uh, We've been covering this book a lot, and um, the sixth issue, um, I'm assuming based on just the cover, is going to really explore a a new side of it that I really will enjoy. Uh, So, Def Mm. that. Judging a lot by the cover. 
Uh, I'm very interested by Superman and the Authority, number one from DC Comics. That's Grant Morrison yes. coming back to Superman. Mikkel Janine on art, who is always fantastic. Um, it's already out in stores, so people have probably read it, or at least some people have probably, probably. read it. Uh, but I that definitely was number one on my stack, so I'm excited to check that. All or some of those, excuse me, are going to be a stack <laughs> podcast coming out of the Comic Book Club feed. Uh, at Wednesday 9 a.m. Also, its own dedicated stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Oh, man. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Andre Darlington for coming on. Check out Gotham City Cocktails in stores now. Also, Brett Mattress. Brett Mattress. Thank you for coming on. If you're ever in New Orleans, as mentioned, go by Koshan or a chef de cuisine. Food is delicious there. Next week on the show, we're going to have two more great guests. Ira Marks. Writer of Shark Summer is going to be here. Also, Jeffrey Brown is going to be here to talk about his new book, Total Waste of Space Time. So that should be a lot of fun. A couple of other podcasts that we can plug. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, switching over to Fridays. We have a special episode that put a smile on Pete's face. Alex gets his ass handed to him. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how you're feeling by the the end of tonight, Pete. I guess we'll see what happens. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast. We just dropped a new episode with Denise Nadredre, the set decorator. That was a lot of fun, so definitely check that out. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support this show and all the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, follow, and listen. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night, guys. In 1961, the Fantastic Four returned from space and the world changed forever. Over the next year, the Earth experienced three alien attacks, the destruction of lower Manhattan, and the reemergence of ancient gods. Super Serious 616 is the podcast that covers it all from the inside. What would it be like to live in that world? Join Ed and Mike as they ask questions no one else is asking. Is Iron Man a good use of shareholder capital? Subscribe at Super Serious 616 or wherever you get your podcasts. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.